college football talk as David Cohn, the co-host of Crane & Company with Jake Crane, joins Bryant, Brett, and Jay Morgan, a college quarterback at Michigan, a tall man that's on Twitter, at David Adam Cohn. Here's David with Bryant and Brett. David Cohn joins us now, the co-host of Crane and Company, to talk some college football. And David, I, I apologize, but it feels like this it's is how thing. we have to start uh, every segment with you um, <laughs> because you are our, our Michigan guy now. Man, you are I mean, catching the incoming, you, you, David. You really are. But uh, another week, uh, more information on the Michigan scandal, I guess you could call it. What have you made of the recent things? Now Michigan saying, hey, we're not the only ones doing it. We have proof, uh, out we have there, proof that we have other people in our conference doing the same thing. Well, first of all, thank you guys so much again for having me. It's Thanks always an honor. Us. I have to chuckle when I hear you say the phrase, we have more information every oh, day. Yeah. Do we actually have more information? No. Great comeback. Do we just have more noise? More regurgitation, <laughs> that's right. David. That's a good point. And, and that, that's part of the whole media play you know, that we've talked about at nauseum the last couple of weeks that I've been on. Yeah, look, I've, I've talked to my, my Michigan insider friends, and, and Michigan has a dossier that they've put together on uh, on other programs in the Big Ten that's quite thick and goes back some decades. And I assure you that no one wants to turn this into a war or some sort of food fighting contest. And even if that does happen between these Big Ten schools, I mean, a, a, a few things from the Michigan perspective, you just pointing out that all the other teams – uh, are, are also violating rules doesn't mean you didn't do that, right? right. Like what I've been saying this whole time is, w- w- again, let's start with a first principle to, principle to approach. Why is this so difficult? What mm-hmm. rules were broken? Who broke them? Where's the evidence and what is the punishment? And let's get on with it. It's like targeting in a football game, right? Like if someone is if someone commits targeting, you don't then say, well, that team lost and they have to forfeit all the other wins from the season, right? Like whatever the punishment comes from whatever evidence you have needs to be commensurate with the crime. But, yes, it is funny to see what – what I've talked about with you guys is you're seeing two things play out simultaneously here, you know, coming from the NCAA and ESPN, who all have their vested interests. They want to hold Michigan guilty in the court of public opinion, which it, with something that's against the spirit of the game, this sign stealing and, 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 and knowing what your opponent's going to run somehow. But then, you know, that's not against the rules, so they actually have to hold them accountable through violations with the letter of the of the rules, which is, oh, well, you actually just can't go scout an opponent in person. Well, now that Michigan has all this evidence on all the other Big Ten teams, you know, that puts to bed this whole thing, well, the, you know, you can't come after the integrity of the game argument there, which I think it's interesting. The NCAA's rules deal with in-person scouting. The Big Ten rules are different. That deals with sportsmanship, and I think that I'm really hoping right now that rookie commissioner Tony Patetti in the Big Ten is not in over his head. I'm really hoping that it's not. Some people that I've talked to, you know, Tim Brando and others, assure me that he's seasoned, he knows what he's talking about. But right now, everyone else wins. ESPN wins, the SEC wins, the other conferences win by the Big Ten having some sort of food fight out in front of every, uh, of everyone, I find it very disheartening and disrespectful because we should be talking about the huge matchups that are happening this weekend and whether or not Michigan can go on the road to, to, to State College and win in Beaver Stadium and if J.J. McCarthy can actually have that Heisman moment that he's been That's looking it. for. But instead, we're sort of hashing yeah. out this, this <laughs> high school melodrama which I really don't, uh, you know, I really don't understand, especially when it comes to, uh, you know, we're talking about the game of football here, yep. right? We're, we're trying to play football and scout our opponents and do the best we can. And, David, I think there's a simple reason 
why, why Michigan is so under the microscope. You don't win any Pulitzers getting <laughs> Purdue in trouble. Sure, sure. Uh, you know, it, uh, there's several different angles here, but, you know, like we've said, ESPN wants to, or uh, I'm sorry, the NCAA wants to make college football look as, as, as bad as it can because they've, they've, uh, the, the vice grip has loosened, right? They, with well, they can't control it. On that. Yeah. But they can't control it. They want to bring down college football, which you even saw, like, they knew about Cam Newton getting paid before the season starts, but the, the news comes out the week before Auburn plays Georgia in 2010. How does mm-hmm. that happen? Supposedly they've known about this information with Michigan going way back into the offseason, but it breaks the day before Michigan and Michigan State play. Please stop it. The NCAA. Mm-hmm. Who bankrolled it? college football to look good so that's one thing espn then has a vested financial interest in the big 10 looking bad right Mm -hmm. like they have a financial television deal with the college football playoff and all of the other conferences so it's very difficult for me to watch every single talking head host go on there and simultaneously as if the memo came down from on high say all of the the talking talking points. points that somehow make michigan and the big 10 look bad all of that's true regardless if rules were broken or not and then to your final point that you just made yes like this is what happens when you win and you're on top the funny thing for me as having played at, at Michigan is we hadn't even won a national championship. Can we at least win the big one first before everyone tries to bring us down? At this, cause, because then you could at least say, hey, this is what you have to endure, Michigan fans and Michigan as an institution. This is what you have to endure if you truly want to be on top. You don't think everybody wants to take Nick Saban down any way they can or Bill Belichick or mm-hmm. Tom Brady? I never thought I'd see anything sillier than Tom Brady receiving a four-game suspension for wanting the football a little bit less inflated. Like, that was and insane so did, me, And so this, did Andrew Luck in uh, the same game. Yeah, and Aaron Rodgers on the, on the opposite side of that said, well, I wanted mine inflated, like, beyond what the regulation was. I like throwing the, throwing the ball as inflated as it can possibly be. I never thought I'd see anything sillier than that, but uh, this is certainly coming close. Yeah, that, 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 that is a really, really good point. All right, one last thing about this, and I promise we're going to get to the games. <laughs> <clears throat> Who do you think bankrolled the, the whole sting operation? Well, you know, I, I, I have no idea, and I'm fine saying that, right? Like, this is what I want everyone else to say is, let's let the investigation play out and see what sort of information comes to oh, light. Oh, no, David, we don't uh, do I that see. anymore. We, we, have, <laughs> no, we, have, exactly. we, we have the uh, hanging course. before we have the trial. I've, I've heard all of these rumors, right? Like, well, clearly Ryan Day's behind this uh, head, uh, head coach at OSU, and, and his brother runs the investigation firm. And the fact when he was asked about it, he well, didn't, didn't even say no. Mm. He just said, I'm not going to comment on it. Of course, I saw that video. I saw. I just... I don't also want to be guilty of what everyone on the other side of it is, which is bringing some sort of partisan hat into this. Like I told you guys last week, I love college football more than I just love Michigan football. All I wanted to do growing up in South Georgia was play college football. Michigan gave me that chance. So I went up there. I'm proud to have gone there. And, you know, I want it to be true that they didn't knowingly violate any rules or at least certainly didn't. You know, like the worst thing you could do is, is like, Go and pay a referee to make certain calls, right? Or to break into your opponent's locker room and steal <laughs> steal their 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 their, uh, their playbooks or something like that. We're not talking about stuff like that. We're talking about like actually trying to within within the the framework of what the bylaws say, attempting to put together what everyone's trying to do the most competitive football program you possibly can. And even despite all that, 
the SEC has won all these championships because it's yep. that tough to compete with them. They're that good at football. And, you know, this year specifically, I think we're seeing such great football being played across the country. When I look at what the Pac-12 has done, man, those are legitimate football teams out there. As that conference breathes About its last, deep. last breath of existence before next year, you're looking at several undefeated teams up here uh, in the Big Ten East. you got Florida State hanging on the ACC. Georgia's looking as good as they've ever looked. Alabama now just no one wants to play Alabama. One loss still can make the college football playoff. Texas looking great. And I see, because I keep up with the sport, I can see the propaganda at play here from this story. And again, I say that regardless of if rules were broken or not. And, and, and with any time rules are broken and you have evidence, there needs to be some sort of punishment with that. I'm not trying to wear Michigan-colored glasses here. I just, the, the, the lack of subtlety with the propaganda that I see with this, well, we're in the middle of an outstanding college football season. It disgusts me. Well said. Can can James Franklin finally win the big one? Yes. I mean, the Penn State can win this football game. Make no doubt about it. Now, I don't think they have an advantage over Michigan in every area. But, hey, if the most talented roster won every game, it'd be a pretty boring sport, right? That's why we play the football game. That's kind of what 2023s look like. Yep. Yeah, I mean, James Franklin won nine games twice at Vanderbilt. Show me, a coach that, show me a coach that's done that. And, you know, the thing about it is you go 11-2 and two, uh, and you, and you game beat everyone you're to supposed to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, this guy's gotten a program here that's going 11-2 and, two and, and and beating everyone he's supposed to but can't win the quote-unquote big games. Look, look, Michigan and OSU have been – and that's the gold standard in the conference. And I know Penn State fans are saying, yeah, but – that's what we want. We want a coach that can do that. Trust me. I know what you're saying. I had to deal with Jim Harbaugh losing to our biggest rival, what was it, seven straight years in a row before he got, finally got over that hump. Yeah. I know what the argument is. But Penn State has a very good football team. Now, they've scored over 30 points in every game this year, except when they played the Buckeyes. You can see that they don't have complete confidence in this young quarterback, Drew Aller, to push the football down the field. I think he has all the skill sets to be a great one. But just like with any young quarterback, you're trying to give yourself the best chance to win the football game without him being the reason that you lost, right? You want to be the difference, not the reason. And, um, you know, that defense is where everything starts and stops for them. I don't know if they're going to get Chop Robinson back, that defensive end, this weekend. It sounds like that's at least a possibility. So you'd have to give Michigan the edge at almost every position group. And the last time that Penn State really whipped Michigan, not just won the game, but whipped them good, was when Saquon Barkley. Was there mm-hmm. ran a kickoff back for a touchdown? Just was the most electrifying college football player that you know, like I had really seen at the running back position in quite some time. Well, he's not running around for Penn State, right? So you really got to get in there and do several things. It's a multi multifaceted strategy if James Franklin and, and Penn State are going to win. Uh, one, it's at home, so that helps. If it mm-hmm. were a night game, and I played in two night games at Beaver Stadium, I'm telling you right now, it's the coolest atmosphere I've ever seen in it college is. football. Thankfully for Michigan, this is that big noon kickoff game. But you got to figure out a way to stifle the Michigan run. Okay, Michigan has blown out their last four opponents, but they haven't rushed for over 200 yards. They've leaned more and more on JJ McCarthy, and you know, as good as JJ is, as good as he can play, he's got some gunslinger in him. He can be inaccurate down the field at times. The thing is, can you get a strip sack fumble the way they did against? 
the Buckeyes, but it was called back because of the holding call on Marvin Harrison Jr. Can you get something like that? Can you maybe get a pick six, a punt return touchdown, shut down the run, and then on the other side, make sure that Drew Aller can make enough plays for you to win without him turning the football over. And look, Penn State's a good football team. They could win. Yeah, they absolutely could. We're talking college football with David Cohn, the co-host of Crane and Company. I got to ask you about Ole Miss sitting at eight and one right now, three point win over Texas A&M at home last week, and now the big test uh, down in Athens against Georgia. What do you make of this one on Saturday? I'm hearing rumors, maybe some reports that Brock Bowers is going to at least try to give it a go this weekend. He might be available for Georgia. What do you make of uh, the game that College Game Day will be at this weekend? I would be surprised if Brock Bowers played, but I guess not shocked, just because it feels like Brock Bowers is made up of something just a little bit different, doesn't it, boys? Mm. Uh, I mean, when you watch him play football, my goodness, we, we should all be thankful we get to, to, to watch him play the game uh, and do so with, with, with such humility, too. I would be a little surprised if he plays. It seems like coming back from this sort of uh, uh, ankle injury is going to take a little bit more time. But on the Ole Miss side, I think, well, first of all, with Georgia – they hadn't missed a beat without it, right? Because Lad McConkey was getting healthy yeah. at the exact same time that Brock Bowers is going down. And when I watch Lad McConkey run routes, boys, I'm just telling you, it is it is something to behold. And Carson Beck has just overperformed in every metric, every single game where we're like, yeah, but Carson Beck's going to have that moment, right? He's going to have that young quarterback time where he has multiple turnovers and they're in a dogfight late. And, and he costs him again. Just hasn't happened, right? Like, he's playing his way not only into them three people, but like into Heisman conversations, like legitimately, if you really want to break down these numbers. On the Ole Miss side of things, what I've always asked is, you know, Lane Kiffin, this brilliant offensive mind, an offensive guru, are you a serious head football coach? You know, because at Ole Miss, you don't need to be an overly serious, but you don't need to win 12 games every year to keep your job at Ole Miss. You need to have really solid teams every now and then, and we've seen uh, Lane Kiffin start really hot at times, but then towards the back half of that season, things fall apart. And you know, He was under the microscope last year, last Thanksgiving time, when reports are he's going to take the Auburn head coaching job, and regardless of whatever truth there was to that, it looked like, from the, an outsider's perspective, that that was a distraction as they were heading into the Egg Bowl. Mississippi State won. And you're looking like, okay, is, is Lane Kiffin a serious head football coach? And then I watch the way this team plays, and I think, man, I, I don't, I, I don't see them, I don't see them folding in like the, the way they did last season or the last couple seasons. Like this is a team that can win ten games, that can finish strong. Does that mean they can go on the road and beat Kirby Smart, who hasn't lost a game since what? December SEC championship two years ago. I mean, we were in the College Football Hall of Fame with our show the last time Georgia <laughs> lost the game. I, I don't know if, that, if it means that, but I think that Ole Miss can actually play Georgia closer than even a Missouri did or, or certainly than Kentucky. I mean, you know, what we say this every week, and Georgia seems to come out and, and, and just blow people out. I was disappointed with the way Ole Miss played um, in the trenches, even against Tulane when I went back and watched some of that game. And then certainly the offensive play calling, I didn't really understand in the 24-10 to outcome at, at Alabama. But I do think that they are 
capable of going in and playing a competitive football game against Georgia, and with a team of this quality, all you want is a chance to win late in the game. If Lane Kiffin gets that opportunity, I'm telling you, he could dial up something that could win the football game. I like this Ole Miss team, and it should be a heck of a game. David, let's fast forward to next Tuesday night in the CFP reveal. And Ole Miss has defeated Georgia. And this is this is mm-hmm. if, if, if. If Ole Miss gets the win, should Ole Miss just on that win, however it falls out, whether it's seven and Georgia's eight, should they be ahead of Georgia next Tuesday night? Oh, yes. You have to put them ahead with the head-to-head. I thought you were going to ask me, should they be ahead of Alabama? Nope, because Bama's the, beaten. The, the answer would have to be no right. again. And Texas now, is ahead now, of Bama. You, you play this experiment out far enough, just like you're saying right there, well, okay, Texas beat Alabama, and Alabama beat Ole Miss, and now Ole Miss has beat Georgia. Like, how are you going to make this puzzle piece work? At some point, it becomes impossible mathematically, right? I mean, we're, we have to add so much subjectivity into this that, frankly, I don't mind. I actually find it fun. I enjoy these conversations. Um, whereas, you know, the NFL model is a little bit boring. It's like, hey, who just win your division. But I want to yield the head to head on the field. Yeah. Um, but the more, you know, I, while I find it fun to have these conversations, the more objectivity we can add in, the better it's going to be. Because at some point, we have all these different criteria working against each other that you're just never going to be able to make everything fit. But the biggest piece of criteria, which the committee over the years has proven to adhere to, not necessarily so much in their first couple of rankings these past two weeks, is that head-to-head. Mm-hmm. So, yes, I mean, look, if, if I think it would matter a little bit the way that Ole Miss won. But let's just say by one point on the last possession of the game, like we've already seen Oregon lose on the last possession of a game at their rival on the road. We saw Texas, their only loss is to their rival on the last possession in the Red River shootout. Like the loss carries a lot of weight, and you'd have to put Ole Miss up there. I mean, that would be a heck of a win with their only loss being on the road in Tuscaloosa. David, what have you made of of USC this season? Uh, Another loss against Washington. They fire their defensive coordinator. Uh, Caleb Williams is is visibly upset, frustrated how the season has gone. What have you made of this year? I mean, when there were so much high hopes, really the last two seasons for this team, and it seems like we're we're back in the, the same spot we were last year with this team. Well, Lincoln Riley is a very good football coach. You want to talk about offensive minds. He's yeah. another one, and he's, he's a great head coach. I mean, this is a guy who's won double-digit wins. I mean, almost every year he's been a head coach for those years at Oklahoma and even his first year coming into USC. Uh, I didn't have them playing in the Pac-12 championship game this year. Uh, I, I didn't have that. Uh, well, at least trying to remember back on my predictions, I had Washington winning that conference. Um, I just didn't think that USC was going to be able to play defense well enough to mm. hold up in that conference yeah. to make the college football playoff. Having said that, I didn't think it'd be this bad because and every, that was the narrative all offseason was, oh, well, their defense was so bad last year, and they were hanging on by a thread with right. winning the turnover margin at such a high point. But what I was thinking is I played against USC Rose Bowl against Brian Cushion and some of those guys. I'm telling you, USC is a place that can recruit some of the best defensive talent in this country. And I just thought, after a year of being there, that even if the defense isn't better and they can't make the college football playoff, that it wasn't going to be any worse. 
And when you have the reigning Heisman Trophy winner coming back, he's going to keep you in every game. Well, that certainly hasn't been the case. Like, the defense was just atrocious. They move on from Alex Grinch, which I think, you know, it just it was inevitable, but really too late, right? It, 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 the yeah, the damage was done. made too late. Yeah, yeah. and um, so they are not going to uh, make the college football playoff, obviously, or I, I don't think the, the conference championship. But, you know, I'm interested to see how does Caleb Williams respond to that now because it already looks like throughout the season that he's been distracted with things. That I, again, I don't know how much is coming from him and how much is coming from his family and his camp mm, with these yeah. things like, oh, whichever NFL team drafts me, I want an equity stake right. in ownership. Or or I'm only going to go to XYZ team, right, that we used to see uh, uh, John Elway and, uh-huh. and Elon Manning do and all that kind of stuff. Again, I don't know how much of that is actually him doing that in the middle of the season or if these are just media reports that are coming out. But either way, it's not a good look, right? It looks like you're distracted. It looks like you're not focused. And I want to see how he responds and how he finishes this season. I mean, is he going to hold his head up and is he going to compete or is he going to pack it in? Yeah, no, that's definitely something to keep an eye on because, uh, like you said, they're certainly not going to the conference championship. They're certainly not going to the college football playoffs. But it should be another great week of college football. And as always, David, thanks so much for joining us. Really enjoy this segment every week, and we'll do it again next week. Hey, thanks so much for having me, guys. Thank you, David. David Cohn with Crane and Company. He's co-host with Jake Crane on that great show, and he's with us every Wednesday. Every Monday afternoon at 4.30, we have our look back at the SEC weekend. It's brought to you by Sissy's Log Cabin. Sissy's Log Cabin, the official jeweler of the Memphis Grizzlies, the Memphis Tigers, and that new location opening really soon at 4542 Popper. Bill Jones and his great team and staff, they're here to stay. Some blow in overnight, then gone, not Sissy's Log cabin they're part of the fabric of the community and that's what they want to be they very very desperately want to be part of that they're here for the long haul just like they've been with great locations across arkansas and tennessee since 1970 and tonight when you go to the grizzlies game official jeweler for the memphis grizzlies and fedex forum with the floor seat lounge the mid-south's largest selection of one-of-a-kind jewelry engagement rings Wedding bands, earrings, necklaces, 9,000-square-foot store in Laurelwood with expanded lines for Rolex, Cartier, diamonds, and much, much more. Sissies, they offer a selection of diamonds, estate jewelry, and fine gifts. Unsurpassed value, exceptional service, expansive selection, and an extraordinary expense experience because life's too short for ordinary jewelry. Well, let's go ahead and get to a break. When we come back, it's Wednesday, so we got to take a look at some of these lines in college football and the NFL for this weekend. We'll do that next on Sports Time. Join the voice of the Tigers, Dave Woloshin, for Wolo and Friends. Weekday mornings from 10 to 11 here on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now back to Sports Time on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Here once again are Brett Norsworthy and Bryant Dacus. Welcome back into Sports Time. Bryant and Brett with you in our family leisure studios. And we got to take a look at some of these lines, early week lines, for both college football 
and the NFL. Brett, where would you like to start? Right there, that game we finished with visiting with David Cohn yeah. about in Happy Valley, 11 o'clock. Mm. And I, I do think that is advantage, uh, somewhat of advantage to Michigan yeah. instead of the whiteout, whiteout at night. Big noon, they, they come out with the big guns at 11 o'clock central time zone game. And the SEC is going to have to match that mm-hmm. next year in, in with their TV partner, ABC and ESPN. Four and a half Michigan over Penn State on the road. Yeah, and I mean, uh, you know, David Cohn mentioned it a, a, a little while ago about how, you know, Beaver Stadium's a different animal at it night is. than it is during the day. So maybe you're right, a slight advantage to Michigan in that regard. But you're absolutely right. I mean, 3 versus 10 at 11 a.m. in the morning on Fox. Quarterback is, mismatch. It, it really is. But I mean, that's a, this game um, being two top 10 teams is exactly what Big Noon wants on any given Saturday. And you're absolutely right. I mean, the SEC is going to have to find ways to match that next year. But you're right. Quarterback mismatch um, in this game, maybe, maybe. Team mismatch in this game. I think you go down the roster in a lot of spots. It is go mismatch um, in this one. Now, you know, I, I think Drew Aylers is a good quarterback, but I do think um, it is a mismatch. I think running back with Blake Quorum, you've got a a mismatch there in favor of Michigan. Backs. Yeah, a couple, and I think you can go down the roster in terms of, of mismatches in this game. So four and a half point favorite on the road is. Uh, you don't see that very often in a top ten matchup, but other you know, than at home, I don't see an advantage here for Penn State. I, I really don't see many, and so hopefully this is a good game. I mean, um, I think uh, you know defensively, I think Penn State brings a lot, so maybe they can limit Michigan a little bit. But you know, I, I really like Michigan this weekend. Eleven Central uh, noon in Kentucky, big noon in Kentucky. There you go. T- Alabama ten and a half point favorite over the Cats at Kroger Field. I do like I do like the style matchup. Yeah, I, I do too. But I mean, and I I understand the whole uh, you know everyone got down on Alabama for for I don't think really great reasons early in the season. I get them because that high bar, of course. But man, ten and a half point favorite on the road. I, I agree, and that's huge. You know, if Kentucky just went on two or three long drives. Two or three six-minute drives mm-hmm. and just really narrow the game. I think that would probably be a dream scenario for them. Tulane, a twenty-three-point favorite at home at Yulman against Tulsa. That's at eleven o'clock Central Time. Colorado now four and five. They're at home, yeah. but they are a ten and a half point underdog. One o'clock Central game against Arizona. Arizona's with every passing week and yeah. win, they're in a much better bowl position. I mean, Brett, you Jed Fish, keep. Keep oh, an eye yeah. out oh, for him. Absolutely. But you look at these last uh, five weeks for, for Arizona. A loss against uh, seventh-ranked Washington. A two-point loss at uh, ninth-ranked at the time, USC. A 44-6 to win at, at the time, 19th-ranked uh, Washington State. Home win, three-point win uh, at or against number 11th-ranked uh, Oregon State. A win at home, 27-10 to win against 19th-ranked UCLA. I mean, they have been playing really, really good teams, and uh, it now shows in their rankings with these last three wins against ranked teams getting in there at 21, but, uh, you know, a, a big road favorite for Arizona against Colorado. They win that one, 7-3, then the the next two, one at home against Utah yep. in their state championship game against Arizona State in the year that they just match up better against Arizona State. Mm-hmm. Even with a loss to Utah, 
this can this can be a really good year for Arizona. Eight really and four is, is 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 there to be be done. Maybe even nine and three. Yeah. And I go back to Mississippi State beat them, and everybody wanting to crush the whole down poor old old SEC. Yeah, and uh, you're right, beat them, and now look at this Arizona team. And and keep a really close eye, um, depending on what Arizona does this week, uh, depending on what Utah does uh, this week. I'm not sure who Utah has this week. Uh, Oh, a big game at Washington this week. Um, Depending on on what happens in both those games, could be a, uh, a game day. And, and whether whether it's Texas beating Bama in September, or Ole Miss beating Tulane without Michael Pratt yeah. in September, or Mississippi State beating Arizona in September, I don't want to hear where well, they wouldn't do uh-huh. it now. No, 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 no. They did it in the 2023 season. You don't have a rematch on the fly. Mm-hmm. Let's don't do this. Yeah, yeah. It's not necessary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they played. They state exactly. won. Exactly, and we could go back into the record books and look at a lot of games and say, "Well, this should have happened. They would have beaten them here. They would have beaten them there." It's yeah, I hate when people do that. I I, I cannot stand it. Uh, Baylor at Kansas State. Kansas State twenty and a half point Ooh. favorite. Florida State at home against the U fourteen point favorite for FSU over the U. You mentioned Utah this week in Seattle against Washington Huskies nine and a half point favorite, oh, almost double digit favorite over Utah. In, in, in Utah, I think they maxed out. I think they did too this year. I, I think they did, and obviously uh, with Cam Rising, this is still a great coaching job. They oh. just had a lot of. Well, I mean, Adversity. I mean, Brett. When you think you're going to have Cam Rising back, who I mean is an unbelievable quarterback, and then now he's out for the year, which really interesting saga there all around. Um, but yeah, I mean that that hurts you real bad. For them to be seven and two right now is is massive. Tennessee, a one point favorite at Columbia, Central Florida at home against Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State, a two and a half point favorite over UCF. Iowa, one and a half over Rutgers. Are we sure two points will be scored. Brett, you didn't even mention the total in that game. 28 and a half is a total in a college football game. Not a seventh grade game. No, no, a college football game, a Big Ten college football game, I should say. 28 and a half. It's unbelievable. I take the under. Oregon State, 21 over Stanford, Georgia, 10 and a half. Over Ole Miss, we've talked a lot about that game. OU 13 at home over West Virginia. Ohio State 31 and a half at home over mm-hmm. Michigan State. Texas a 10 point favorite in Fort Worth against TCU. Anything there? I, I don't know. I don't keep know, a close eye on that game. Keep a close eye for sure. Florida in Baton Rouge, uh, LSU a 13 and a half point favorite. North Carolina and Duke, not the battle on the hardwoods, but on the football field. Throw the records out, bro. Uh, yeah, not at Cameron Indoor or the Dean Dome. 20, uh, 14 and a half. 14 and a half North Carolina over Duke and Oregon late Saturday night. That's going to be the one that I'm really going to yeah. regret Sunday afternoon uh-huh. when I'm at about Winfield, Alabama, driving yep. home that I stayed up and watched the end yes, of Oregon 15-point favorite over USC, but it, hey, if it's a if it's a down to the wire close game, oh, you're going to be loving that you stayed up for it, Brett. Memphis Tigers on Saturday in Charlotte, they're an eight and a half point favorite over Charlotte. I, I'm not real big on this, but it's there. You want to compare two scores this year in college football, please? Charlotte lost at Florida to the Gators, twenty two to seven. Covered the spread, fifteen points, right? Uh-huh, yep. Tennessee lost at, <laughs> at the Swamp, 
by 13 points. And they were only a couple weeks apart, I think. That's Maybe right. a week apart. Um, yeah, no, that's uh, that's interesting. But Charlotte, whew, with that, what has happened with this team, I mean, it has been a, a dramatic season, to say the least, for uh, for Biff Pogey in his, in his first year. But um, that should be a fun game. I, maybe, I know we're going to get to it in Friday Football Forecast, but now I'm landing Tigers early. Uh, let's get over, uh, Brett, to the some of these NFL games. Um, start tomorrow night. Bears at home against the Panthers. Uh, Chicago is three make me and a half point. Pay- I'm, uh, well, I don't know how to watch. I, Prime make me, video. You're gonna I, have I to will listen. listen here. I'm going to make you listen. Uh, Chicago three and a half point favorite uh, against a really struggling Panthers team. I, I mean, I don't think a lot of people thought the the Panthers would struggle this bad this season. I, I sure didn't. And you know the thread the needle to win that division yeah. and not even come oh, close no. and not not even closer to that than Bryce Young being rookie of the no, year. No, no, not at all. Uh, rookie of the year's over. Yeah, rookie rookie of the year's over, unfortunately. Uh we start Sunday and early morning again, Sunday. Colts Patriots. Colts a one and a half point favorite uh on the road. I've heard some people saying Bill Belichick, you better watch your back. Um and uh I mean obviously I don't I don't think he's gonna lose his job, but certainly right, it, right now seven to one to be fired. Are you serious? Bill Belichick. Seven to one. Which I think is preposterous. That is crazy. They might have the meeting of we want to make a change, uh-huh. but just to purity have to fire him, he, I can't imagine. He will not be fired. He might resign. This, we're not talking about Billy Martin here. Uh uh-uh. uh. Uh-uh. This is Bill Belichick. No, we might get the announcement. This of, ain't Barry Switzer coaching the yeah, Cowboys. We might get the tweet from the and Patriots saying, "Thank you, Bill Belichick. He's decided to retire." And here's your retirement check. Uh huh. And and really, we hear a month or so later, yeah, it was either we're firing you or or you can walk away on your own. But, but there's no way to humiliate him. No chance. No chance. What he has done for that franchise, please. Uh, Twelve o'clock. I think a very interesting game um, on CBS. Texans Bengals Bengals a seven point favorite. CJ Stroud what versus Joe Stroud Burrow has done this year. That'll be a fun quarterback matchup um, at noon. Uh, some other noon games we've got Saints Vikings New Orleans a two and a half point favorite. Packers Steelers uh, Steelers how, a three and a half point favorite. Either the Vikings or the Saints five and four. <laughs> That's a great question. A great combined ten wins. Just eye test, and it, this, this is how yeah. mistakes are made with eye test. Combined, they shouldn't have three wins. Brett, you could say the same thing about the Steelers. How in the world are the Steelers yeah. five and three? I mean, it's 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 all the same. But certainly with the Saints um, and the Vikings, and really, uh, <laughs> Vikings had to pull. I mean, everybody had to be moving in the right direction last week to win that game. Uh, Titans, Buccaneers, Tampa Bay, a one point favorite now. I guess Will Levis, uh, his first game as officially the starting quarterback, no questions about it. Um, so uh, that'll be interesting. One point favorite or a one point dog. The Titans are at noon. 49ers, Jaguars, uh, San Francisco, a three point favorite. Some other games to keep an eye on uh, on Sunday. Uh, uh, Seahawks and Commander. Seahawks, a six and a half point favorite at three thirty. Uh, Jets and Raiders. Uh, Jets right now um, a uh, half point favorite. You don't see that very often um, in the NFL. Call well, well, wait a second. Uh huh. A half point favorite. I've never seen. That. I was about to say. I, I this that's what I'm seeing right now. Um, I'm sure most sports boy, sports books have it as a pick 'em. Um, but that, that, isn't that what that means? Yes, but uh, but what I'm looking at lists it as are a calling tie, Brett. I don't look. Maybe What's maybe got a W catching the plus half point. May, 
maybe this site just doesn't list PKs. I'm I'm almost certain I've seen PKs on this site. So I I I don't know. That's a good question. I have no I've idea. I've never seen that. I haven't either. I've seen it in. Ooh, I've seen it in. I'm I'm, I'm trying to find picks anywhere else. Uh, a pick'em game. I'm I'm sure. Let's see. Let me let me let me Unbelievable. browse to a different sports book and see if they have it. I'm sure they have it as a pick'em. That's ridiculous. That that's honestly the only reason I brought it up is because I, I saw I it. See as, it. Is it half a point or is it pick'em? It, it, it's zero point five. That's hilarious. That's half. That's hilarious. I love that. That, that I don't even see it on, on this sports book. That, that's a stunner. We are getting closer and closer to Thanksgiving, and really, you know, just about two weeks from tomorrow. Yeah, that that's it. Two weeks from tomorrow, we'll be gathering. You'll have family coming in two weeks from tonight, maybe even earlier in the week. Get on the list. Check it twice for Thanksgiving holidays and for Christmas holidays at the commissary. 901-754-5540. Call now. Go online now at commissarybbq.com and put your order in, and you'll be so glad. And a lot of the the traditional food preparing people, they'll be glad you did it. Take a lot of work, a lot of stress off of them. Let the commissary do it all. The smoked turkey, homemade cornbread dressing, the gravy, cranberry sauce, mashed potatoes, green beans, rolls, butter, plates, utensils. They take care of it all for you. Whether you want a turkey or ham, they have it. All the sides, turkey and dressing, turkey and ham and dressing and gravy, they've got it all. They will take care of you, and you will be delighted with this great food from the commissary. And you're going to have all those people rolling in. You're going to need barbecue around, or you're going to want to, when you go to pick it up, you might want to take take people over to either the Collierville Commissary at Houston Levy and Poplar or the original in Germantown. Perfect, perfect place for a big group that week. Mention all the sports that will be on TV that week. You can watch the Grizzlies game there tonight. If you're craving an easier way to order, text commissary right now to 33733. That Memphis-style barbecue and ribs, the slow cook way, the Memphis way. Dig into the ribs of the shoulder, chopped or pulled on a plate, on a sandwich, all the sides and the desserts like the lemon ice box pie, the banana pudding, and the strawberry cake. 901-754-5540. Online at commissarybbq.com in Collierville and Germantown. The party areas, orders to go, catering, tailgating, and this time of year, the holiday bird. 901-754-5540 or online at commissarybbq.com. Well, we need to get to a break, but uh, when we come back, uh, we'll get to big number of the day. Broadcasting from the Family Leisure Studio, we are Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now back to Sports Time on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Here once again are Brett Norsworthy and Bryant Dacus. Big Daddy. Hello, Big Brand. It's a guy, he wants to be big, then he gets big, he doesn't want to be big anymore, then he gets small, but the suit's too big. Big Daddy. The Big Boy. You're a big guy. I think she's trying to pull a fast one on Big Daddy. The big number of the day. Well, Brett, I have uh, two big numbers today, and both of them are about college basketball players. But my first, I'll stick to a local guy, Jonathan Pierre. 
uh, who obviously is a member of the Tiger basketball team. He met with the media today. I'm really excited. Uh, Jason Munns posted a couple of clips of uh, things Jonathan Pierre was saying. I uh, had some quotes from him as well that he just tweeted out. Uh, so I'm inter- I'm I'm really excited to talk to Jason Munns uh, on Friday about Jonathan Pierre. But uh, 62 is my big number. That, according to Jonathan Pierre, is how many games he has played in his collegiate career. Now we know before this season he played at the Division II level at Nova Southeastern where he won a Division II national championship in in 62 games. Jonathan Pierre says that he is 61 and one. So he was happy. He said he was happy, um, obviously, to play in his first Division I game and to play in an NBA arena, but also to take his record to 61 and one. Something else I thought was interesting that Jonathan Pierre said earlier today. He said, as a senior in high school, because they were talking about, and, and Dave said this the other day, about he's a really good passer. Uh, you know, he's, he's um, led the team last year at Nova Southeastern in assists. Uh, he said it's because he played. Uh, point guard in high school. You think he's very tall. How did he play point guard in high school? Well, his senior year in high school, he had a growth spurt that took him from six foot two to six foot seven. While he was at South, that, that's what Anthony Davis did. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, while he was at Nova Southeastern, he grew from six seven to six nine. He said since. Uh, joining the team since the start of summer, he has grown an inch. He said he was listed six nine last year at Nova Southeastern. He's listed at six ten this year for the Memphis Tigers. So a guy who is growing. He says he's six uh, ten right now. He says that's a true six ten um, with his shoes off. Um, so uh, Jonathan Pierre, a uh, very interesting guy. And these stories are fun to start learning. And this team, it's got that look. This is a a big long team. Absolutely. I've got a couple different numbers. The first is four. Tennessee moved up four spots last night in the CFP off that big win over UConn. <laughs> How about that? And you get a four-point jump, so big number is four. But my other big number, it's 23, as in being down 23 to nothing at halftime back on September 16th. This year, in a year that we have not had many college football shocking yeah. upsets, Nothing bigger than on September 16th, down 23 to zip at halftime. They go on to lose that night 33 to 7. Oklahoma State over South Alabama. Yeah. You're talking about people that would want to redo, but we don't get to do that. No. That game's going to forever stand. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. It will. And, uh, so now that's a really good big number. Both of those are good big numbers. I've got one more big number uh, from college basketball. And it comes from that great Auburn Baylor game last night. Brett, were you able to, to catch any of that I game did. last night? Oh, coaching heavyweights, an unbelievable game. I was telling, I like that setting too. A really good setting. Um, but I was telling John Harden earlier today during his show. I said. Um, one thing that I think gets overused a lot uh, in sports that media... That Scott Drew was almost the Tiger coach? <laughs> no, 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 no. I could hear that all, all day. Um, but one thing that I do think is overused is people coming in, and when a team is leading in the second half or in the fourth quarter, they'll come in or they'll go on TV and they'll say, well, X team lost that game. Last night, 
Auburn did not lose that game. Baylor won that game. Sensational point. It was an unbelievable game. Um, from both teams, I thought both teams looked really good. But my my next big number. Sometimes the other fellow's better. Absolutely, and I I feel like sometimes we forget about that. Just kind of thinking about how did that team lose. But my uh, other big number is twenty eight. That's how many points Jacoby Walter, the freshman for Baylor, had last night. Just a sensational game from him. That is the school record for points in a freshman debut. He was seven for thirteen from the field, 4 for 7 from 3, and perfect 10 for 10 from the free throw line. Just an unbelievable game from the freshman Jacoby Walter, but I think both those teams are teams to look out for this season. We were talking earlier about Madison Square Garden debuts, and Wilt Chamberlain did his not at this current location. At this current location, the record is 40 in a a debut there, held by Pistol Pete. And one more. Pistol Pete got 40. Elvin Hayes got 39. Pistol Pete in 1970. And Jay Vincent in 1982. All right. I like it. See what Victor can do tonight. Maybe he can uh, get close to that. Oh, Pistol Pete had had good knees. Oh, man. They they were shot when he got to the pros. Yeah, but still a a great career for him. Really did. Yeah, but uh, let's go ahead and wrap up this hour and get to a break. Both my big numbers were college basketball centric and we're going to talk a lot of college basketball on the other side. Kevin Sweeney from Sports Illustrated, he joins us next. <laughs> 